COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated the sea change in the retail experience with technologies such as big data, e-commerce, and automation coming to the fore. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. If you like this podcast, please do subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. With me is co-host Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. So we're talking about the future of retail today. We sure are. Uh, so what piqued my interest in this topic for this week is Majdal Futame's recent headline that UAE retail is back to pre-pandemic levels and is on course to recover, you know, off the back of rising tourism and expo joining us here in the country in October. And so I was just thinking, wouldn't it be a fun conversation to have with Alain Bajani, the CEO of the region's biggest mall and cinema operator, to talk about, you know, where do you take these insights and where do we go from here? And how do you grow a business off of these insights and all of the things that we've learned from the pandemic and all of the ways in which we've changed? As you said, we spoke to Alan Bajani, Chief Executive of Majid Al-Fatim Group. Let's listen to that now. Alan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're looking ostensibly at the at the future of, of retail, of entertainment, cinema, um, you run MAF, Majid Al-Fatim, which is operating across the region. You run malls, entertainment venues. Maybe it'd be good to kind of get your snapshot of where things are right now and where you, th- you see things going from your point of view. Where we currently are is that we are on a very good road to recovery. I would say this is how I would summarize the situation. So as we had, I think, mentioned in the past, we are uh, inching towards 2019. We've had uh, what we call a V followed by a W-shaped recovery. Since I would say the, uh, the first three months of the pandemic, we have seen uh, 2020 witnessing a V-shaped recovery until about August, uh, August 2020, with actually uh, July and August uh, being uh, uh, witnessed very good recovery August actually saw growth compared to 2019. And then afterwards, we had the W, a soft W that has been confirming itself since then. So in, in general, the retail economy, uh, and here I, I, I make a distinguish between the retail economy and the economy in general, because the economy in general includes other sectors. But the retail economy itself is, is at, at pre-pandemic levels. We have seen actually growth compared to 2019 in May. June seems to me seems to to, to be a bit uh, softer, primarily driven by leisure entertainment uh, because of caps uh, that were still on and basically some restrictions that have been put in place. So we're not out of the woods yet, generally speaking, because we still have we still have caps in certain markets, certain places, and the I would say the the UAE. Is, is recovering uh, quite well. We continue to see growth on the retail, pure pure retail side of things. Uh, tourism is coming back uh, strongly. Uh, June 2020 is about 373% compared to June 2021, is about 373% growth compared to June 2020. And we had started to see at the time as the start of an opening up in Dubai in, in particular. So 
the signs are are quite good. The contribution of tourism to, in 2021 to the economy is higher than what it used to be in 2019. Uh, so all of that is actually is actually going in the right direction, and we expect things to continue on the same trend. And uh, we also uh, look forward to a very good Q4 2021 with the launch of Expo. Ellen, I want to stay on retail for a bit longer. Uh, as you chart what you're describing as a full recovery to pre-pandemic levels, uh, Majdal Futame's insights have been that consumers are more focused, sort of unsurprisingly, on wellness and health, and also a greater emphasis on sustainability, which kind of jives fairly well with the start of Expo in October and its themes. Can you talk a bit about Majdal Futame's investments to maybe grow these segments or to emphasize these segments? Where might we see this in retail experiences going forward? Yes, I mean, sure. This is definitely a trend that's confirming itself. We've seen it starting in 2020 and it continues to be there. People, all of us as consumers, we are much more, much more conscious and we value much more uh, well-being and and sustainability. We want to we want to contribute. We want to make sure that every experience we actually have is fulfilling, and we want to uh, enjoy what uh, whatever we like while knowing that actually we're doing we're doing good. And uh, this is something that is permeating across all kind. I would say of uh, experiences. One of the things that we have done in 2020, uh, and that actually is extremely important, is the, our pledge to cut plastic from all of our Majdal Futem businesses by 2025. So to cut all uh, single use of plastic in general across all of our businesses, and we are progressing on that front. This, of course, takes a lot of investment, but also a lot of awareness and a lot of work with our partners in order to make sure that actually this work, this works well across all of our businesses and 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 make sure that this is happening in a way that's very satisfactory uh, to the to the consumer to the customer. Uh, this is something that, of course, uh, is core to our future action on sustainability, but also our commitment to net positive on water and carbon by 2040, in addition to the investment that we are doing in renewable energies. Today, Majd Al-Futem has the largest privately owned, I would say, solar uh, solar, uh, solar panel farms in Oman, in more of Oman, in Bahrain, in more of Bahrain, as well as most of our assets, if not all of them, are powered one way or the other with renewable energy. This is something that's extremely important for us. We're also continuing to make sure that we are, all of our assets are uh, environmental friendly. For example, Majd Al-Futem is the first, I think it's the first globally to actually have all of its portfolio of hotels being LEED certified without any exception. And we are to, going towards all of our, our portfolio of assets in general, of shopping malls and elsewhere. Today we are, uh, City Center Murdiv is the largest shopping mall in the world that has uh, LEED Gold uh, certification for existing building under management. So, uh, Center Maesim has a lead platinum certificate, and we, this is something we're continuing in that direction. Uh, and we are we have just just uh, invested or about to roll out uh, urban farming as well as making sure that we use uh, uh, we use water from air, so air air to water. Uh, totally off the grid by using uh, uh, photovoltaic panels in order to use the power coming from the solar panel, use that power to enable 
the existing equipment that turns air into water. And that water is, uh, is of course, uh, water that you can drink, but it's also water that you can use in, in our urban farms. So all of this, uh, I would say, uh, circular economy that uh, we are trying to scale up by being totally off the grid without any negative negative contribution or negative impact on the environment, but also while using uh, using uh, existing resources. And one of the things that you're very, very happy about and proud of is that the soil that's being used uh, for this urban farming is actually coming from waste that's turned into compost. So what you're using, turning existing waste coming from retail stores, from food, from Carrefour, from hotels, etc., into compost. This compost is used as uh, uh, for for planting for the urban farms, and then the water that is needed is coming from air, and it's powered by actually photovoltaic panels, and without any, not relying at all on the grid. So these are the type of things that Majdar Futem continues to lead the way on, and this is something that we are looking for to drive even more impact with. And something you didn't mention in that actually fairly exhaustive list of efforts really is, what was interesting to me is the fully automated fulfillment center that MAF opened in Jeddah fairly recently. Can you talk a bit more about investments in automation in terms of cutting um, carbon output? So there are a number of things that we have done on limiting and or cutting our carbon footprint. Uh, one of them is, uh, of course, our automation centers. Uh, as you know, more and more of the economy is actually relying on uh, on uh, e-commerce, uh, and this is something. This is a sector that's actually growing quite interestingly, and uh, we have seen basically at, on, at the grocery level, for example the rates, the uh, penetration rates of e-commerce are about double uh, 2019, and they continue in 2021 to sustain the levels they've reached in 2020, which is which is very encouraging. And we are basically on a positive trend there, which is great. So very good growth there. In order to be able to do that in a sustainable way, we have to make sure that, one, uh, we continue to meet the demands of the customer through more efficient fulfillment, and that requires fully automated and robotized fulfillment centers. The first center opened in Dubai uh, during the pandemic. The second one we just opened in, in Jeddah, and there are more to come on that front. So the idea is to make sure that we get as close as possible to the to the customer, reduce basically uh, last mile, and basically reduce the carbon footprint. But what we've done as well on top of that is we've been investing a lot in hydroponic farms in our stores in order to provide the customers with actually the best possible uh, nutrition and the most organic product uh, when it gets to uh, for the for the time being vegetables and, and fresh herbs and this is something that we are expanding to other varieties so we have invested a lot in 2020 in photovoltaic farms in our stores that gives actually uh, an organic product that has that goes out up to basically a thousand times more nutrition. It is produced in a, in, a, in, a, in a record time, and it has almost zero carbon footprint when it gets to transportation. So what actually happens is that this trend of being more local uh, with a global with a global experience is being is confirming itself more and more and we're contributing to there to that and and we're allowing our customers to be able to get the freshest products the most healthy product 
in the most sustainable way. And this is something that Carrefour and Majd Al-Futaim are very committed to actually expand further uh, in, uh, in the near future as well. You paint a picture of a, of, of a more sustainable, more resilient business going forward. And certainly that word resilience has been used a lot um, during in, in the pandemic of the last 18 months. Um, but also it was interesting seeing uh, how flexible your business was, particularly during the early days of the pandemic, the way you moved um, staff from one side of the business to the other to meet rising demand in one area, say online grocery and fallen demand in, in say cinemas. But if we can take a step back even, you know, the, the challenges that, that you, you've dealt with um, go back even to sort of 2015, 2016 with the oil price crash in this region that really adjusted um, expectations and scale of, of growth uh, that we had uh, become used to um, for the Middle East uh, and North Africa. And so, you're, you're, you know, I, I wonder if that resilience, that flexibility, that sustainability charts the way back there and what you and the business had to do in 2017, 2018, 2019 uh, to get yourselves on, on a more sustainable growth path? Well, thank you. Uh, you're absolutely right. We have been on this journey to sustainability uh, of the business in general, not just sustainability in terms of environmental impact, but also in terms of the sustainability of the business itself and making sure that we have leeway and we embed into the business, not just efficiency, but also resilience. And 2020 was a great was a great, uh, I would say, demonstration of the resilience of the business. And I think for us and for others, uh, nearly everyone, 2020 was the year where all of the business of the business continuity plans uh, uh, came to bear. And uh, it was very, very interesting to see how the world basically operated uh, in, in, in this disruption and have been able to basically generally uh, continue to be there and continue to fulfill fulfill the demand. So there is much more resilience in what we have built in the past than we ever thought. Uh, and especially that this was a pandemic that no one was prepared for, and the impacts of this pandemic uh, are actually quite quite basically long-standing. I mean, we are today in July 2021, and there is more to come. When you look at the markets in the region, I mean, this is not... The story is not a uniform story across all markets. So we, we're going to continue to see the impact of this pandemic for quite some time. And there's continued to be disruption in the, in, in the business. But you are absolutely right. We have been on a journey since 2015 to actually uh, get leaner in terms of what we do, transform our spending into investment and making sure that this investment is, is actually uh, uh, the right one and is preparing the business for the disruption that we are starting to see or the trends that were, that were progressing and, and actually exponentially progressed in 2020. So I, I've said it before, uh, had this happened earlier, uh, uh, closer to 2015, we wouldn't be in the same situation. I guess this is our case, but also the case of others. And I, I, I I'm very happy and proud to say that we actually come out of 2020 stronger than we were before in terms of business resilience. I think we were very efficient, but we became much more resilient. And going forward, going further, we will need to think uh, also about the what if, okay, uh, as much as we think about efficiency. It's not only about making sure things work in the best possible way at the least possible cost. It's also making sure that things continue to work in the best possible way if 
uh, and adverse adverse events of this nature happen. And I think it is safe to say that in the coming decade or so, I hope it, it doesn't come to bear, but we will have to face new realities, new disruptions uh, that will come uh, that will come our way. So there is no option going forward anymore except to make sure that we continue to test our business for the for the utmost resilience. Uh, possible and the only real test is the, the test of the reality, 2020 and 2021 to a lesser extent, but continue to be there. Are great examples of that. You and I, we talked uh, in 2018 in Davos uh, at the World yes. Economic Forum, and we we discussed technology and how um, you were integrating technology into the heart of the Majid Al Fatim Group. And you you very 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 positive, very much you know evangelist on on where, where technology could take you. And of course, at the time, it was also amid kind of a, a kind of boom in, in, in tech startups in the region, and, and you're very much keeping in a close eye on that. I mean, where the pandemic has kind of, in some ways, solidified our reliance on technology, but at the same time, you know, maybe demonstrated its limits, that we still need to kind of have that human side, and, you know, that maybe it isn't, let's disrupt and add tech to everything but in fact, be very, very selective. I mean, what, what's the journey been with, with your adoption of technology philosophically, uh, that is, with, with the group? So Mustafa, uh, yes, you're right. I think you've heard me in 2016, 17, 18, 19. I continuously said that we live in, an, in a, we, we live in a period of time, in an era where the human capital is much more important than the technology. This not to actually undermine the importance of technology and the rising importance of technology as it was the case in 2018 when we were talking about it. But we have always said at Majd al-Futaim that the human capital, the human element continues to be extremely important. And the human capital impact has never been as important as it has been since 2015-16. The more technology gets infused into the business, the more actually the human capital becomes central for the success of, of what's happening. Technology is a fantastic enabler for human capabilities. And we don't see technology as a replacement of human capabilities. Of course, we don't look at that at task level. We don't look at it, this task is being replaced by basically a technological solution. The way we look at it, we look at the business in general and what is the impact of human capital and of talent on the business in terms of, uh, in terms of importance in comparison to how much is technology taking over and what's the impact of technology on that business in comparison. So technology is a fantastic enabler of human capabilities. Technology is not here if you look at the picture end-to-end -to, -end to replace human capabilities. There is a new role for the, for the human capital to play that's very different from what it used to be before. Most of the work that was done prior was actually repetitive work at times and work that could be replaced by uh, by uh, technology that actually frees up human capital to actually play a role rather than, than, than fulfill a task. And this is a major differentiation compared to where, where, where we were before. So as I said, I think we continue to be very coherent and we've always seen that from the very beginning. This is why you've seen us on our journey at Majd al Futaim in, since 2016, focusing on human capital development with the Leadership Institute, with uh, supporting our people in their leadership development, as well as in their, in their career development, and making sure that they can drive uh, the biggest impact uh, on the business. At the same time, we have invested a lot in technological capabilities in order to drive a better understanding of the customer, drive, drive a better understanding 
of the business and developing new capabilities that did not exist at the time. And we don't see those as antinomic. We see them actually progressing hand in hand. 2020 was a great was, was a great example where all of these came together in the most unexpected way and gave us a fantastic outcome. And the outcome that you have seen in 2020, our ability to basically turn around the priorities of the business in order to take into account the tsunami that was coming with the pandemic in terms of adverse uh, conditions and headwinds, our ability to turn that uh, uh, huge challenge into an opportunity and how we benefited from this new demand or new form of demand that was coming on very on different channels to scale up our presence there, continue to create great moments for everyone every day, uh, either in an omni-channel way or in, on a pure play manner, uh, using technology and and channeling the human capital capabilities in the right way. I mean, you've you mentioned an example where we actually turned uh, uh, the challenge there into another kind of form of opportunity by by uh, redirecting our human capital from a business that was temporarily in a shutdown mode, uh, cinemas, to actually where the need was on grocery retail fulfillment. These are, this is one of many other examples that have been put in place, and we continue to believe that this is absolutely uh, the right thing to do. Uh, you see us while we're investing more, for example, on uh, automation and, and robotics in our businesses, we're also continue to invest a lot on developing our human capital capabilities in order to allow our people not just to, to accompany, but actually to, to be ahead of uh, the business challenges and adapt our business, reinvent our business. This is the only way for us to continue to earn our right to win and to continue to be relevant with the customer. A signal to me in 2020, in 2021, of Math's sort of growing uh, nuance around its technology engine was the opening of your concept store at the Mall of the Emirates. The that concept store, as a as a source of data, as a source of sort of a skunk works for testing out new technology, for testing out this idea of being an omni-channel kind of retailer. And I'm curious to hear your view of what you're hoping to learn from a store like that. It shows to me, because the last time we spoke was in 2019 when you were beating the drum of data and technology, sort of this growing nuance around, okay, we can build technology and we can build experiences that um, emphasize local, that emphasize experience, that do things that go deeper than just a technology, just sort of a gimmick or uh, something that's really just pulling data. Um, so what, do you, what would you like to learn from this concept store? The technology is evolving, the experience is evolving, and the application is, is evolving. So I was giving the example of the fulfillment centers, the robotics automation. That concept store at Mall of the Emirates is another great example where technology is, again, being used in order to improve the brick and mortar business and in order to provide our customers with what we believe is the retail of the future. So that concept store in more of the Emirates is for us our take of what on what the future of retail will be and how you can provide we can provide to our customers a fully omnichannel experience where we make the uh, the shopping experience a much more fulfilling one and one that's actually fueled by technological capabilities that did not exist and give people new dimensions to their experience. The future of retail is not transactional in our opinion, especially the brick and mortar retail. People want more 
fulfilling experiences. And this can be enabled through technology today in an, in an environment that is primarily customer experience-driven or what I call experience-fueled. So when you go to that, that is a space is a, that where, where actually people can spend a full uh, a full day, people go to meet each other, people go to experience new uh, uh, new products, new services, to actually experience being together in a different way. And all of that is fueled by new technology. So all of the things that we were working on in the past have actually been invested in this store and we continue we, we use and we continue to use the latest technologies applied to retail in order to make the retail experience more and more fulfilling and also develop our understanding of the customer in the best possible way so if i if i was to summarize what technology allows us to do today is is an unparalleled understanding of our customer in order to service our customer in the best possible way and our aim is to what what we call if you want sort sort the life of our customer by giving people more time for them to to use this time in what they love the most spending time with friends and family using the time for whatever energizes them and take away from our day, daily routine the chores that used to take time and where this time could be invested much better uh, in in things that we that are much more fulfilling for us so the reason why we say at Majd Al-Futain that we, we, we consider each other uh, ourselves as a lifetime partner with our customers is because what we are trying to do is to give each one of us as customer okay, the best possible time ever where uh, the, the utmost luxury today is time and give back time to our people, for, the, for our customers, for them to actually do what they love the most, whether it is spending time with your friends, with your family, reading, uh, any, any form of experience that, you, that actually uh, fulfills you. And while technology is there to enable us to serve each other smartly, fulfill our needs in a much more effective way, but also resilient way, and also make sure that the type of experiences that we can offer uh, today that were unheard of, I would say two, three years back, become more ubiquitous and continue to be developed in the future. So that concept store is the future of retail as we see it. And I'm, I'm really very happy and very proud to see how much of our customers love that, come back to that, keep coming back to that, and how it's growing since it opened on January 1st, 2021. Majlal Fitahim is aiming to be a top 10 cinema operator globally. You're aiming to hit a thousand screens um, in the next three to four years and investing $100 million per year on this ambition. Can you just explain to me why Majid al in 2021 kind of has this conviction around the cinema experience and the future of theaters when we're in this streaming war game right now and it feels like cinema may be kind of the next blockbuster? Yeah. Well, look, this is very interesting. Thank you for the question. So, uh, as, as you know, we are today the leading cinema operator in the region, and we have opportunities in the region that actually does, do not exist in the same way elsewhere. So uh, we've, been, we've introduced cinema to the Saudi market, and we're growing our presence there, but also we continue to introduce new viewing experiences in, in our existing countries, in Dubai, in the, in the UAE in general, and in the wider region. And... The one thing that we are seeing is that streaming has never been as big as it currently is. But also the pandemic has given us a fantastic, I would say, proof point of the resilience of the cinema as an experience. So 
Today, when you look at what's happening on, on streaming, people have never streamed as much as they did in 2020, and they are in 2021, simply because the cinemas were, were shut down and people, people were at home. We've all been at home for a very long time. So once uh, the cinemas are reopening, we are seeing people coming back to the movies, but really very excited to come back to the movies. And what we're also seeing is that people are streaming a lot of series, docu-series and documentaries, but when it gets to movies, people want to actually watch the movie with the enjoying the cinema viewing experience, the cinematic experience. So uh, people come back to the movies because of the experience, not just because of the actual movie itself. And this is something that uh, uh, is confirming itself, not just in Dubai or the UAE, but actually in the wider region in general. This experience in a time where each one of us as customers want most fulfillment is a greatly fulfilling experience to all of us being together with friends and family and, and watching a movie in the in the in the in the in the wider context context of a cinema uh, uh, of a cinema itself is a very different experience than watching a movie at home uh, on 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 a tv and while this question was, I think, very valid before the pandemic and was becoming more and more valid uh, before then, 2020 gave us the, uh, the fantastic proof in the pudding that actually people want to come back to the movies and want to experience them. This being said, people are not going to come back as much as they used to. So if you went, used to go to say, six or seven times a year to the movies or 10 times a year to the movies, you might go less now, but you still want to go to the movies to watch uh, to watch new uh, releases, new blockbusters, and you want to actually, people enjoy being together in, in the cinema. And this is something that we are uh, seeing more and more. So we really believe that the cinema has a lot uh, ahead of it. But of course, uh, we uh, are doing, uh, doing many things in order to make that business as resilient as possible. One of the things is developing local content and supporting local content in the region in order to, to produce movies that are of global, I would say, uh, of global caliber that the streamers also want to acquire because they need a lot of feeding into their streaming platforms. And you see all streamers becoming much more conscious of the importance of local talent and regional regional content. So it's kind of a convergence of two things happening together. I don't see them one uh, basically uh, taking over the other totally. What's going to happen, we, we have more and more streaming, but we also want more and more experiential reality. This is like saying, you know, people are eating eating in more, so delivery is going to take over restaurants and you will not have restaurants going forward. No, people are eating in more. Yes, there is more delivery, food delivery that's happening, but people also want to go out and enjoy time in a different setting, in a different context with their friends and family. And this applies uh, a lot to the, to the cinema. And we've seen that, we're seeing that in 2021 in practice. So this confirmed, if you want, our strategy to continue to enforce, uh, reinforce our presence, but also make sure that the type of cinema offerings, the combination of leisure entertainment and cinema coming together becomes stronger and stronger. And we believe that this is something that meets customer demand and will continue to do so in the future. Alan Bajani, Chief Executive of Majid Alpha Tam Group, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Mustafa. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for today. Kelsey, thank you so much. Thank you. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Please do join us again next time.